queen. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Woohoo! Wait. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that cute? Yeah. Do you know that's me? Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> that. That was actually a song that, um, you know, Philip really? Grasso, right? Uh huh. Philip Grasso, um, actually, and I went to the studio and he said, Will you do the vocals for this track called Really Queen? And I was like, Sure. And we just sat in the studio. We talked about it at one point, but we just sat in the studio and we made up like all these really crazy freaking lyrics <laughs> that were just like talking about plastic crab meat and <laughs> you think you're this, but you really ain't. You know, it, it, it's just like, yeah, you have to hear it sometimes. So that's like an excerpt of that, but it also fit for the show. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? I am here. Uh, first of all, welcome to Really Queen Radio. I am here with my good friend, Frank Ladra. Hi, Hi, Frank. Hi. How are you? I am fabulous. I am so, so <laughs> excited that you are um, you are actually doing this with me tonight. Me too. Thank you so much for yeah, inviting of me. Of course. <laughs> I like called you up and I was like, you would be totes fun. <laughs> you would be totes fun to like do this with. And so um, we are going to do this. Um, if you're just joining us, first of all, we are live from San Francisco, California here on this Thursday evening. We are here every single Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. My name is Brian Kent, and of course, I'm here with Frank Ladra. Each week, we uh, explore a new musical artist that has helped to influence and form the LGBTQ culture as we know it today. The show was basically born out of a conversation that I was having with a friend of mine where I said, oh my God, I love this song. Do you know this artist? And and he looked at me and was like, uh, no. And I immediately looked at him and I said, Exactly. That's exactly what I said. I was like, uh, what are you talking about? So you've been living this whole time. I know. Seriously. It's just like, where have you been? But the thing is like, you know, some, the younger generation just doesn't know. And how will they know if we don't pass it on? I mean, it's, it's easy for us. There you go. See, (laughs) it's all coming together. Um, if you want to call in and talk to us during the show at any point, you can, we're at 415-550-0511. And we do occasionally take calls. We are at Instagram at really queen radio and our website is really queen radio.com where you can find all the access to our podcast and our current episodes etc 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 so are you ready to do this hell yes so this guy i mean for me this i think for a lot of people and i'm hoping probably for you too i would assume but this guy is just like Amazing. So the first song I'm going to play before we announce who this is, is a song that um, probably most people may not know unless they were big fans of this group that he was in. And even though this wasn't him directly, this um, was one of my fave, fave songs when I was coming out and doing the gay thing and going to the clubs. Because I was going to the clubs when I was 13. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I moved in with my dad. I left my, I left my mom's house and moved in with my dad who had never raised kids because, you know, my parents divorced when I was three. So he, he had never had kids, you know, in in his living with him. So when I moved in with him, he didn't really know, bless his heart. And I was out at 13 and going to clubs and just causing all kinds of trouble. Wow. Yeah. Here I thought I was early going at 15. Right. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was 13. And, um, so this song brings me back to that time. So this is 1983. Listen up. Hey, sucker. What the hell's got into you? Hey, sucker. Now there's nothing 
I haven't seen your face around town in a while So I greeted you with a knowing smile When I saw that girl upon your arm I knew she won your heart with a fatal charm I said, soul boy, let's hit the town I said, hey boy, and what's with the frown? But in return, all you could say Was hi, George, meet my fiancé Matrimony. <laughs> so you know who that is. Oh, obviously. you can tell right when you hear the voice. Oh my God! Right. Wow. That is George Michael, and That's incredible. That was him. <laughs> so that was him in obviously Wham, which was the first group that where he got his start. Um, let's let's just like take a second and just look at a little bit of like the summary of his life. So George Michael, um, obviously, is English. He's a singer, songwriter, record producer, philanthropist, and he rose to fame through the music um, with Wham! Um, and then later embarked on his solo career. He achieved seven number one singles in the UK, eight number one songs on the Billboard Hot 100 in the US, including Care- uh, Careless Whisper and Praying for Time, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, he ranks among the best-selling British acts of all time. And in 2008, Michael was ranked 40th on Billboard's list of greatest Hot 100 artists of all time. He's won a ton of awards, so he's won three Brit Awards, four MTV Music Video Awards, six Ivor Novello Awards, three American Music Awards, two Grammys from eight nominations. And so this is a man who came out in 1998, which again we'll talk about in a little bit, um, and was very involved in HIV and AIDS charities, and actually has a documentary about um, his career and personal life called A Different Story. Have you seen it? No, not yet. You know what? I haven't seen it either, and I think it would be pretty amazing. There's not, he actually has two documentaries about his life, and this first one was um, was was called A Different Story. Um, you know, from the beginning, um, when they when they formed this duo called Wham, which was his partner Andrew uh, Ridgely in 1981, um, their first album, which was called Fantastic, did really well, and it produced some some really um, some great singles, like the one you just heard called Young Guns, um, another one called Wham Rap, and another one called Club Tropicana. But there's second album called Make It Big is the one that reached number ones on the charts in the US and um, it included Wake Me Up Before You Go Go which we know know <laughs> um, and uh, Freedom not the not Freedom 80 but a Freedom a different Freedom Everything She Wants and Careless Whisper which all reached number one in 25 countries including um, the UK and the US so um, let's take a quick listen we all know this song because this is like I mean who doesn't know this song I don't I think almost no matter how old you are, you you know you've gotta know the song, right? Here we go. I mean, who doesn't love that song? I that song is like the 
earliest of memories. <laughs> Early, it's the it's the earliest of memories, and it's just. But it makes you want to dance. Yeah, you know when I do um, when I play at the Edge, and I'm doing um, either probably on Fridays is the Beards biggest night, Beards and Booze on Friday nights. Um, this song's always requested, and you know even if it's not requested, and I play it, like everybody, everyone just knows the words, everyone, it, everyone dances. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Like you get that '80s like Carlton dance. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, totally right. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I used to do that really fucking well. You used to. You mean like okay, yesterday. girl, calm down. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, you know it, th- what I love about the song is you, can, you see guys that are like you know 60, 65, and then you see like kids in their twenties, and they're like they know it. So this is definitely one of those ones that I think crosses over. I mean, I think most people know who George Michael is, but a lot of people, and especially younger people, probably don't know about his whole history and and where he came with. Um, he used to do you know besides his own stuff, he did some background vocals. Okay, take a guess who he did background vocals for. This is kind of funny. And some people might not know this person. I shouldn't even give you this because it's hard. Do you remember David Cassidy? Yeah. In, in 1985, he sang background vocals on David Cassidy's song called The Last Kiss. Wow. And he also sang background vocals on Elton John's 1985 um, Nikita. I think I actually knew that. Did I, you know that? Well, that's how they were connected, like, on an early... Exactly. And he, and he also sang um, backups on Wrap Her Up, um, which was another track that um, he did with Elton John. But um, uh, George Michael said that um, David Cassidy was, like, a major career influence um, and, and um, you know, just really thought that he had helped form who he was as a singer, which... I'm sure I, he had a huge crush on him. Probably, probably right. To it. I mean, America's heartthrob. Right. <laughs> because I'm not hearing the singing uh, inspiration part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, um... Uh, when Wham was um, touring, this is this is an interesting story. So when Wham did their first tour in China in April of 1985, it was the first visit to China by any Western pop art music band. So it generated a lot of media coverage because they just we had there was no pop bands that were performing in China because of the government and everything like that. So before that appearance, um, that kind of music was forbidden in China. Hmm. And so the band's uh, manager at the time spent like a year and a half trying to convince these Chinese officials to let them play. And um, the audience had like Chinese government members and Chinese television people. I mean, it was like a very, it was more of a, I don't know. Not like the fans back home. (laughs) Right. They weren't, yeah. I think it was definitely a little bit more stiff. But but that's kind of an amazing accomplishment back then to be able to cross over into all of that. Um, at the, after that, he he did move into his solo career. Now, the interest, the weird thing about like what he did was, he created um, he had a solo song that he released, but he released it while still in Wham. Right, so it was on the Wham album, but it was just him singing. So it was this cool like transition. Instead of just like quitting the band and then putting out a solo song, he was in the band and put out a solo song. And um, and do you remember what that song was? Careless Whispers. It was. Uh, yes, bitch. Ding, Yay. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, so he uh, put out Careless Whisper. And, um, you know, that that song, I mean. That's so beautiful. Right? That song is, ugh, it's one of my favorite songs. It's so beautiful. What? And it's hard to, like, put your word, like, your finger on, like, what, like, what it was. But let's just, like, let's just, like, listen to it for um, a quick second and just, I don't know. Let's just get in the mood and see if we can feel this. Feel this.
so amazing it's just uh, let's do let's do a little um just a little here's a little pop. i have a trivia question for you yeah oh my god for me yeah oh shit you know i only know the shit i research but go ahead That's well this the... this is one that has always stumped me and when i found out that this was a, a real fact i was like wait a minute what uh do you know george michael's real name uh, Without looking at your notes. <laughs> the best I, part is going to be if you can actually pronounce it. Okay, right. So that is that. Okay, so I do know his real name, but if you're asking me if I'm going to pronounce it correctly, I can't tell you because I know it's Georgios. It's which, all Greek to me. Right, literally. <laughs> I know it's Georgios, and it's like Kyriakos, Georgios, mm-hmm. Kyriakos, Paneotu. Well, that's. Paneotu? That's. that's Sounds a little Spanish, the way I do it. <laughs> and maybe with a little Japanese influence. Hanayoto! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know how to say it? Like I, you... I actually don't. I mean, I know the, this... the Kiriakos part, uh, but I want to say it's Paneyotu. Yeah. I mean, this, this, this bitch was like, you know. Lots of vowels. She was Greek. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So, let me ask you a question about, let me ask you a trivia question. Let's just do true or false. Um Careless Whisper obviously was one of George Michael's greatest hits. Um, he was 17 years old when he wrote the song. True or false? False. That is true. It's true? Yes. He was only 17 years old when he actually wrote the song, and it was written on a bus journey on his way to work as an usher at a cinema. Oh, wow. <laughs> what the fuck? This bitch is going to work She's to, got- like... <laughs> pick up some popcorn and she writes that shit about the awkwardness of stepping onto the dance floor <laughs> isn't that it's like I love stuff wow. like that that's like the story of like Donna Summer um, who, who wrote she works hard for her money and she got that by going to some award show and went into the bathroom and you know saw this attendant like working and she's like sat in the stall and wrote it on toilet paper like like things like that I freaking love you know I think also like I think I heard a story about like Deborah Cox and she did the same um, nobody's supposed to it was some song like that and she like she's like I wrote that in like oh oh what should I wear my hair in a ponytail she's like I wrote that in like two minutes it's like it's just like <laughs> I can't believe like that's, some of those songs that are just so you know those gems come right out of nowhere they come they come out of nowhere she's like pooping hits out of her ass that's just like freaking amazing so the um her his so her look at me I'm all she's sister I can call her her mm. so his solo career like his official solo career started with um, a duet with an amazing soul artist and that was the first song that he did and that was considered like that was the first time he didn't do something with Wham or part of Wham and so it actually was his first song as a solo artist and I know you know what it is I'm already dancing (laughs) um, okay tell me what it is divas what Diva? uh, why, well what's the I don't know the name of the song it's um Well who okay so who is it do you remember do you know who it was with 
Aretha Franklin? Yes. I'm picturing the video. Okay. But I can't think of the song right now. Wait, let me. Oh, wait, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> Hold on. Of course, you put me on the spot. I can't think of the title. I can, I can lay out the video for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it a listen for a second. Imagine that, like, that's... Well, first of all, that was a dream of him to work with her, so that's how he started his solo career. Yeah, let me do a duet with Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. No pressure. No pressure, right? And that's... And that's, then it blew it out of the water. That was really... And then blew it out of the water. It was just a one-off project that, like, helped him achieve, you know, his, his ambition with, like, singing with one of his favorite artists of all time. That's the way to do it. I know. It's crazy. Um, Who would you sing with if you... George Michael, Elton John, someone who's alive. You know, so for me as a singer, those were my, you know, that's what I looked up to because those were guys, well, especially George Michael. And we'll talk about like his whole, the whole gay thing, but me being gay and seeing someone who we knew was gay and was out, um, certainly for at a period of time, um, and was unapologetic about it. That was something that I looked up to because I'm like, oh, I can actually do this without having to pretend something else. Um, Elton John was another one because, you know, and coincidentally, a lot of their music was in my similar range. So I could actually sing their stuff. Um, and so I performed and I've performed a lot of George Michael material over the years in different shows and same with Elton John. And, you know, this this is just it's something that for me, not only was it about my coming out, because it was especially his first album, which we're going to talk about um, right now. Um, it was right after I came out of college. And so I really was coming into my own. You know, I was really I'm uh, sorry. Uh, and, and I just I don't know. It was just. It was just, it was a, an emotional time. It was coming out time. It was boys time. It was, um, you know, performance time. It was just a lot of things, a lot of emotions. The, the, so, so many of his albums just have so much emotion and meaning. And the, it's the whole thing, like from yeah. beginning to end. It's not like a song or two. Like you, if I it's put on whole, faith, it's just, it's the whole thing. Just that sort of intro, the organs. The, yeah. yeah. There's, Please, are we going to play that next? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, so he, he did. Speaking of that album, that was 1987. So when I'm saying I was done with college, like what am I talking about? I was just out of high school. So I'm like, okay, right. So I was just becoming an adult. Like I was out on my own. I wasn't living at home. Um, um, I, I ran and I got my own place. And so I was just, I was going out to bars and I was, you know, it was just being gay and back then. 
then you had to go out to bars, right? You didn't. Yeah, there were no apps I mean, or any way to connect. There was app. some nine seven six numbers and shit, but that, that stuff just <laughs> never worked. Because some of y'all sound pretty on the phone, but you you get out there, you're like, oh damn. Um, <laughs> that happens now with y'all, right? With like pictures that and shit. Still happens. <laughs> it's still, it still, it still happens. Um, so the first single that was released off of that album was "I Want Your Sex." And that was mid-1987. It released as a single. And the song was banned by so many radio stations in not only the UK, but the US as well because of the sexually suggestive lyrics. Um, MTV broadcast the video, which had... Um, uh, what was that? She was a celebrity makeup artist. Oh, Kathy Young. It had Kathy Young in it. Um, only late at night, so you could only um, talk. You know, could only see it if you were up mm-hmm. at midnight because that's. And of I course, guess. as teenagers, we stayed up late so we could sneak out and turn the TV on uh, and watch it. Of course, we did. And <laughs> there was someone was just um, talking to me and telling me that remember there was like that Friday night videos which didn't come on till midnight, mm-hmm. and it was like the you know yeah. the more risque stuff. It's so funny, <laughs> you know. But um, that only came on at late night and. You know, George Michael was like, you know, this is this is the funny part. He's like, he's like, he argued the act was beautiful, and 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 if the sex was monogamous, and he even recorded like a, a brief prologue for the video where he said like, this song is not about casual sex, which is like kind of ironic since that's what he ended up being <laughs> involved with a lot. But um, and one of the racier scenes involved him like writing the word explore monogamy on his partner's back. Do you remember that right. lipstick? Yes. And some radio stations toned down, played toned down versions of, of it, or they or they call it like "I Want Your Love" um, with love replacing sex. Um, when "I Want Your Sex" was on the charts, um, remember Casey Kasem? Yeah, I, I'm Casey Kasem. Hi, this is Casey. Do I used to listen? Remember, was that like no, one? They still play his um, excerpts from old shows on. Uh, on serious? No, on, oh no, uh, uh, I Heart Eighties. Really? 103.7. Like, I used to live to, like, get up and listen to who was on the charts this week. It's so different how it's like. Yeah, every so, Sunday. It's so different now. It's so weird. But he refused to even say the name. So he would just say something like, you know, this new single by George Michael, instead of saying the name of the song, because he just didn't want to say the word sex. Wow. How Isn't times that, have changed. How, ta- how times have changed. <laughs> Sometimes the song was listed as, I want your sex, parentheses, from Beverly Hills Cop 2. Like they, you know, they said they would attribute it to the movie instead of just saying, I want your sex. Um, Anyways, despite all of that, it reached number two on the U.S. Billboard charts and number three in the U.K. Well, sex sells. Sex, uh, sex definitely sells. It's such a provocative song, too. I mean, just the the whole sound of it. It's just so sexy. I mean, I mean, I don't know if he reminds you, but this was that was definitely um, that was definitely for me. Like when I was like, okay. I'll like that. we can t- we can t- let's talk about sex. Um, you know, I don't know. It, w- it yeah, it was it was definitely a, a time that I felt that he um, was speaking to me, and and you know the song was just super super crazy. But um, the album had so many different different singles on it that I mean I, I don't even know where to begin. You can't really narrow it down to one particular uh, song. Um, so we're just gonna like highlight some of them, and then we'll we'll play. Um, one of the bigger ones. Um, so a second single, um, Faith, was released in October of 1987, just a few weeks before the full album came out. Um, it was, it was, it, it did very, very well on the charts. Um, the video produced some very definitive images of like 80s music industry. Um, he was, you know, if you remember, he was sitting against the, the, jukebox. the jukebox and he had the jeans and playing guitar and all that stuff. Um, the album had other songs like um, Father Figure, One More Try, Monkey. Remember Monkey? 
that. I fucking love that Why song. Why can't you do it? it, it right? Can't you set your monkey free? Yeah. I did in one of my shows, my one of my one man shows. I did this George Michael medley, and so the whole story is about Fire Island and how you would take the train <laughs> and getting there, and then being out and going onto the dance floor. So I combined like four of his songs and I mashed them up. Wow. And it made the whole story about the dance floor, and people would gas because it was really you know. It was just funny how when you put a different meaning to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's hear let's hear one of the songs from the album that really I think hit home with just about you know everybody mm-hmm. in the world. Oh yes, this one mm. and this is kind of little daddy issue right? stuff, yeah. right? Oh. At least for me it was. Let's give this a second. It's so sultry, and you know, I mean, you know, if you're going to be sultry with your father, <laughs> why not have to do it with George? I know. Well, you know what I think's cool about that song is that you, it can be so many things, right? You could be mm-hmm. talking about a daddy, you could be talking about a parent, you could be talking about religious connotation, maybe religious connotation. Um, there's just yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You, a lot of places you, I think you could go with that, but. Um, he in 1988, you know, he and he embarked on this world tour, and um, he was actually joined by Aretha Franklin on stage. It was the second highest grossing event in in that year, earning over 17 million dollars for one tour. And um, the album won Grammy um, Album of the Year at the 31st Grammy Awards, which mm. is really pretty queen. interesting. But here's here's where this gets a little kind of crazy: is that. According to to him, when in his in his uh, documentary, a different a different story, 
success didn't really make him happy. When he won that Grammy, he started to think that there was something wrong with being an idol for, you know, millions of teenage girls. And the whole faith process, whether, you know, the, the, the whole album process, meaning the promotion, the videos, the tours, the awards and everything just left him feeling, you know, very exhausted and feeling lonely and feeling um, just frustrated and very far from friends and family and removed. And um, in 1990, he told Sony, his record company, um, that for a second album, he did not want to promote the next album like he had this one. He just wasn't going to do it. Wow. Um, And his next album was Listen Without Prejudice, uh, volume one, which is important to note. Um, And that was released in 1990. And, you know, he tried, I think, at this album to create this new reputation as more of a serious-minded artist, you know. um, And I think the title itself kind of lends itself to that. Um, But not, but refusing to do any promotion um, included, like, no music videos for the singles that were released. Um, And the first single, Praying for Time, um, with the lyrics that were, you know, all about social ills and injustices, which was released in 1990. Um, You know, it had this kind of dim out outlook on the world at the time and what it was all about. But he, um, you know, starting with this video, he just was not going to be, um, a, a part of it, a part of the promotion process. So let's skip. Do you remember that song praying for time? Oh, I think so. It's, it's a very, I think it's a very political track and, um, it, it definitely, Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's just give like the, listen to the lyrics just for a minute and notice the commentary on just, the world and where things were at at the time. Obviously, a very you know, kind of somber look on things. The rich declare themselves poor. It's kind of what's happening now, right? You know, um, let's let's ask. Let me ask you another little pop question here. Um, last Christmas, which we all know mm-hmm. very very well. Um, Did you hear it during the Christmas season? Oh, I played it. Yeah, <laughs> people oh, were. That's right. Yeah, people were dying to hear that. Um, so um, th- here's true or false. There have been over 400 cover versions of the track since its release in 1984. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, yeah there have been over 400 <laughs> people have covered it. And I'm not talking about just like went into a bar and sang it. I'm talking about recorded, printed, <laughs> sold. Ugh. Can you imagine? Oh, just it's catchy. You have to give it that. <laughs> just the money on that one. Damn. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, the, the money. <laughs> right? Totally. Um, 
Freedom 90 was the second of the two singles that was, it was actually the second of two singles to be supported by a music video. But so Praying for Time had, was, had a music video, but it was Michaelis. There was no, he was not in it at all. Again, not wanting to engage in that. So this next one, Freedom 90, um, which uh, is a song that alludes to, you know, his struggles with art, artistic identity. Um, and he actually, in the song, I, I don't know if it was done on purpose, but he kind of prophesized the ending of his contract with Sony Music in this song. Um, and as we all know and love, he refused to appear in the video, but who did he get to do it instead? The iconic supermodels. Right. Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington. I mean, it was, it was a hot video at the time. Yeah. It's like, how do you, how do you like, how do you make, it was the first time I think I remember seeing music videos that like didn't have the artist in it. Lip syncing. Yeah. Like, that was kind of a weird thing. But everyone else was singing the words. But everybody else was singing the words, so it didn't really matter. And the song, you know, the song was just one of those tracks that you just, like, I don't know. It didn't really matter. And also, especially being gay, we live for our supermodels. So it was like, "Mm, yes, listen. Another one that when you play like it doesn't matter, everybody just like yeah loves it and sings. I was trying to look up to see who because in that if you remember in that video there is a guy who appears in it like a quick flash. Um, there's at one point he's hanging himself upside down in a doorway. Yeah, I, just, I always wondered who is that guy. Do we know? But I was, I'm trying to Google it, and I have no idea. This would be a good chance for someone to call in. If you know the answer <laughs> to that question, please call in at 
Um, well, yeah, I guess I could give you the number again. <laughs> I'm like, call in at 415-550-0511. Um, if you know, because we don't know, but um, that would be an interesting thing. Or is it just like just some random character that's just, yeah. Well, initially when you see it, you're like, is that? That's of course, because you think he's going to be in it. You know what I mean? And he kind of has that sort of look, like this sort of cute, rugged guy. Like, but yeah, it's not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, his expected follow-up album, which was "Listen to Pre- Listen Without Prejudice" Volume Two, was totally scrapped, and that had to do with the lawsuit with Sony and such. Um, and you know, he complained that Sony had not supported the release of this album, and that's why it didn't really do well. But Sony was like, uh, you know, this didn't do well because you didn't want to promote it because you, you, you didn't want to show up in videos, you didn't want to do those things. And um, so he ended this idea for this um, Volume Two, and he dedicated three of the songs that. That had been done for the album to Red Hot and Dance um, um, for the Red Hot organization, which raised money for AIDS awareness. So he just tried, decided to make them all, um, you know, benefits. You know, he he was a, a very big philanthropist when it came to HIV and AIDS charities, um, which we can, um, which I'm going to touch on in just a little bit um, as well. And um, do you remember the song Too Funky? Hmm. Maybe if I heard it. Oh, I love it. Too okay, funky. so Too Funky um, actually reached number four in in the UK and number ten here. So it did very very well, but it didn't appear on any studio album. It was included in his solo collections, which was um, Ladies and Gentlemen, the best of Boy George. I'm sorry, Boy George, the best of George Michael. But it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't on a studio album. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why. But I I know that a, I'm sure I've heard it. I know that you know that this is song. Um, the video featured um, him sporadically as a director filming again supermodels. Oh Linda, yeah, no, I, I know the song. Tira Banks. Yeah. Uh huh. Tira. Yeah, and one of them has like her outfit looks like a motorcycle. Yeah. The handlebars. Oh, that, isn't that fierce? Like she's just like ew, ew, walking down, looking at her rearview mirror, side mirrors. Yeah. This song is so amazing. Let's listen to it for a second. It's a sexy video. It's a totally sexy video. Yeah. Catwalk. He was really into that like model catwalky stuff, right? That's a good gay right there. That's a good gay. Love um, models. 
you know, and I think, well, okay, I want to hold that off for a second, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, Too Funky was awesome. Um, he released an, his next album called Five Live, which was released in 1993, and it was it was it was live recording. It featured live recordings um, performed by him, Queen, Lisa Stansfield, um, and we had Somebody to Love. These are the days of our lives, um, which was recorded at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Mm-hmm. Um, Killer, Papa was a Rolling Stone, and Calling You, which were all recorded during his cover to cover tour in 1991, where he did all cover songs. The whole tour was was cover songs. Um, so he released this five live album, which was those those only those songs. Do you remember Papa was a Rolling Stone that he did? Yeah, yeah, it was really it was really pretty awesome. Um, so in in 1994, this is interesting. After he had been kind of secluded for quite a while, he appeared at the first MTV Europe Music Award show, um, and he gave a performance with a new song called Jesus to a Child, and. Um, the song was, you know, this melancholy tribute um, to his lover. Did you know that? No, I didn't. It was a tribute to his lover, and I'm going to say his name wrong, but I believe it's Anselmo Filippa, Filippa um, who died in March, uh, that March of that year, and it was Michael's um, longest UK top single. It was almost it was almost seven minutes long. The song, the original song, um, and um, the exact identity of the song, the subject, um, and the nature of relationship with his lover um, were, you know, very shrouded in innuendo and speculation because he wasn't a confirmed homosexual at the time. Like he wasn't right. necessarily out. So, but you know, people kind of knew. Um, and the video was a picture of like images recalling loss and pain and suffering. And so, you know, he he constantly dedicated the song to um, to. Um, his his to his partner um, before performing it live every single time. So it was it was kind of obvious that this person, you know, was yeah. special to him. And I think people just kind of knew. Um, it's a pretty sad song too. It, it's a very it's a very sad song. And again, like this is why I think I mean, and we can talk in a minute about what, you know his being a gay icon. But that's part of it. I mean, imagine knowing at that it, you know in, in 1993 that you know this guy is singing a song about his boyfriend that passed away from AIDS, and we were right in the middle of this crisis mm-hmm. and to have someone publicly do that I mean it's hard not to look up to somebody like that and to be like that's my icon yeah. you know yeah. um, it was it was a tough time and, and, and I think that's part of it too is there was so much emotion going on during the late 80s and early 90s and he was such a part of that in the gay community and, and so much of his work was um, you know around during that time for us to um, oh we have police outside that's what that is that's how loud it is because we're in an insulated room but it's that loud but um, yeah I think that's why that was a big part of also what you know what his how powerful his music was yeah no absolutely I think also you know when you think about that era and that time I think that a lot of the gay community was looking for a voice because there were a lot of unanswered questions about why so many of our friends were dying and yeah. there was just we weren't getting answers we weren't getting the right medical answers to eradicate a disease that was just killing so many people that we loved and to have someone like George Michael step in as a voice publicly as a music pop icon it just it was I think as a community it was easy to want to look up to him because he was someone who was being listened to when yeah. the rest of the community wasn't being listened yeah. to absolutely and you know he and he did not only just speak up for the gay community but he, he was he was he was very political he 
He was doing um, some album, and he did a single called Shoot the Dog, which was very controversial because it was um, basically critical of um, George Bush and um, Prime Minister Tony Blair uh, regarding the 2003 invasion of Iraq. That was the subject, and he sang that. Um, in 2003, he um, recorded another song in protest of the, you know, of the war, um, and he did um, Don McLean's song called The Grave, and it was a song that originally Don McLean did way back during the Vietnam War as a protest about the Vietnam War. And um, and George went and re-recorded it, um, but sp- you know specifically dealing with um, the Iraq War. So, you know, it was he was definitely outspoken, and he was out there, and you could tell that he appeared. Um, I forget what it was. He appeared on. Um, Oh my God! What's his name? Um, the Graham Norton Graham show, mm-hmm. and when he he performed the song on the Graham Norton show, and his band had like all these anti-Bush, anti-Blair um, th- uh, shirts Stuff on. Clothes, yeah, yeah, and so it was like this big deal that he had done this back then. So he was definitely um, definitely out. So, was, so in two thousand three, he actually re-signed with Sony Music, and um, the same company they left in nineteen ninety five after that big battle, and they released um, his fifth studio album called Patience, and that was released in two thousand four, and it was critical acclaimed went on to number one and it was one of the fastest selling albums um, in in the UK selling over 200,000 copies in the first week alone in the UK so it was super huge and one of the songs on it was called amazing mm-hmm. do you remember that song yeah you think yeah. you're amazing I think you're amazing. It's like f- so great he performed that on the Oprah Winfrey show and came out on on her show I've, I've forgotten that he actually came out on the Oprah Winfrey show in 2004 when he performed that he performed Father Figure and Faith in that song but he spoke of his arrest which we're <laughs> going to talk about revealing his homosexuality so he's always talking about that um, and um and his uh, and why he had you know stopped doing public performances, and he then allowed Oprah inside of his home in um, outside of London. And I remember watching that and being like, "Oh my God, we're in we're in you know his house." Uh-huh. It was just like so kind of cool. Um, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, his whole um, how do we say that secret in, life indiscretions? Because there's actually a really great story about this. So. Obviously, his homosexuality became publicly known, even though he hadn't come out when this happened. And this was April of 1998 in, in, West, in Beverly Hills, actually. Um, and uh, he, this was 1998, and he was arrested for engaging in a lewd act in a public restroom in the Will Rogers, how appropriate, um, Memorial Park in Beverly Hills, California. So he was arrested by this undercover cop. Um, named Marcelo or Marcelo Rodriguez, um, who was doing a sting operation called Pretty Police. Which is like, I mean, obviously they were looking for gays, if they're calling it pretty police. Um, and in an MTV interview, George Michaels was like, you know, I got followed into the restroom, and then this cop, I didn't even know it was a cop, obviously, started playing this game, which I think is called, like, I'll show you mine, you show me yours, then I'll show you mine, and then I'll show you yours. And um, and then I'm going to arrest you, <laughs> which is which is what he said. So he pleaded no contest to the charge, and he was fined $810 and had to do, like, 80 hours of community service. Um, but here's the best part. Shortly after that, George Michael made a video for his single Outside. Uh-huh. Right? The, Which the s- satirically out. right. It was the, it was satirized the public toilet incident and featured men dressed up as policemen kissing. Um and it gets better. The officer Rodriguez claimed that the video mocked him and that George Michael had slandered him in interviews. I mean, girl, 
really? You're reaching. Yeah, really. You entrapped him. He would be ready to ready. take what you dish out. So he <laughs> he brought he brought a ten million dollar court case against George Michael for slandering his name because he had made fun of him in a video. Um, but the court ruled that as a public official, you cannot legally recover damages for emotional distress. <laughs> Could you imagine if every cop really was being queen? sued because like I had to see that dead body like that just that destroyed me. So, yeah, you know, really I, queen. I, right. Really. Right. That's that. That's that's that is literally the best use of that. Here we go. Really queen. I mean, <laughs> sit down, cop. <laughs> like, sit down, girl. But this, you know, that wasn't the last time, though, girl. She was busy. Uh-huh. Uh, in 2006, she was accused again uh, in engaging in anonymous sex when he was in London. Um, with you know, some, we wouldn't get into it. In 2006, he was arrested for possession of Class C drugs. Um, he was arrested at a public restroom in, in Hempstead Health Area for possession of Class A and C drugs, whatever that exactly means. And he was taken. Um, to the police station for controlled substances. Um, and, you know, he just, you know, he was gay, whatever. Back then, it wasn't the same. If you wanted to get off, you had to go out and get it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You didn't just dial up something. You didn't look on some app, have someone come to your house. You had to go to a bathroom. You had to go to an alley. I, re- I remember after the clubs in West Hollywood, when the clubs were let out, you would literally get in your car and drive around in circles uh-huh. and like drive through alleys cruising to, you would cruise yeah. li- literal cruising i mean yeah. that doesn't happen anymore that's well it's too risky now <laughs> it's too risky now but and also now we can like you know the get a bunch of get a, ordering it <laughs> right and we can get a bunch of information and you know on you and pictures and background i mean not that it, that makes it all safe but it's definitely a, you know it's different so that of course he was in bathrooms and and public restrooms and i think if you I don't know. I've listened to different discussions about this, especially right after it happened. And I think that a lot of people really kind of, if you think about it, he's a celebrity mm-hmm. and he doesn't really have the ability to just go out into bars and pick and hit on people without everyone knowing who he is. Yeah. And if he's decided to go to a dark alley or a park, totally. he can get his rocks off without people even really knowing who he is. It's in the shadows and he can go along and be on his way. You know, listen, I think the thing that was so great about him and what made him such, you know, kind of like this icon and hero for us to look up to was there was no sanitizing. There was no erasing who he was. You know, he was a gay man. He was an icon. And, and you know, he, he was very unapologetic about what he did. I don't think that, you know, certainly, I mean, this is obviously a debate, but I don't think coming out should be some kind of a duty just because you're in the public eye. I think it's a personal experience. Mm -hmm. I think that um, it's complicated and, you know, you have to do it on your own time. Yeah, for each person, it's different. Exactly. But, um, you know, I think the, the, you know, certainly the means with which he came out was made it a field day and and playground for, you know, bigots and people, for the media to to make it like, oh, that's, you know, that's what they do and that's how they are. But, you know, haters are going to hate, as the expression goes goes and and I think that you know for LGBT that were consumed um, with this terror of being who they were they saw the man who sang fucking last Christmas <laughs> you know telling his tormentors where to stick it I mean that video fuck you this is who I am going on talk shows saying you know this is what I did and had I not done it on purpose like what it was just very just point blank you know they always say like when you own something like if you if you uh, I think <laughs> this is kind of funny but on Family Guy they, there's this episode where they, they find an old old porn that Lois did and the way that she's dealing so the whole town's mocking her and making her this outcast and you know what she does she ends up playing it 
<laughs> in public at a town meeting. Like, you know what I mean? Because it took the power away yeah. from them. And I think no shame. that... No shame. And yeah. I think this is kind of the same thing. I have this really cool, um, just, it's like a two-minute clip, and it's basically 10, 10 very many clips of him from when he was very young to where he is now of interviews that he's done. And he talks about this subject a lot, and I just think, thought it was kind of interesting. Um, so I love, um, I think we should, I think we should hear it. You up for it? Yeah. Listen to this. It's very, it's a, it's, it's very, it's very, very cool. It's very cool. Um, yeah. Listen up. I think everything is relative, really. I mean, uh, for every high, there's a low, I suppose. And obviously, a lot of things are limited now, uh, socially. But um, I think if we weren't happy, we we wouldn't be doing it, so we wouldn't be trying to to achieve more. Which is definitely. I mean, teen idols uh, have a, an alarming um, history of uh, of rapid decline and and we don't intend to do that so obviously the music is the most important thing i'm i am 23 and i am still making a lot of mistakes and I'm, god knows i made some really bad mistakes the last three or four years there are certainly things parts of my career which i find very hard to um to watch or to listen to it's something that i've had to talk about for a while just so that i can not have to talk about it in the future, sure. you know. Okay. Um, what happened was basically I, I um, fell prey to one of these um, SWAT teams that they have in America. And I think they kind of, they probably still have them in parts of England, you know. Stupid moment, and um, obviously I've suffered from I think there were certain elements that are just undeniable, you know. Apart from the fact that it was Beverly Hills, it was probably the most glamorous toilet in the world. <laughs> You know, if you're going to do it, do it right and everything. You have to realise something. That actually, I hope, I have to, this is something about timing, right? And timing has got to be good. Well, I do, what people don't realise is that me puffing away in Madrid, that was filmed before I made an idiot of myself at the beginning of the tour, but it came out after. So it was filmed literally days before I did that again. Saying that you wouldn't have done it. And obviously I wouldn't have done it you if I'd known I was going to screw up like that again. I would not have done that. First half of my career, um, being accused of being gay when I hadn't had anything like a, a gay relationship, and in fact I was 27 before um, that happened to me. So I spent my, my years growing up being told what my sexuality was really. As a, as a man, I think a lot of kind of the softer elements of who you are in your early 20s are gone by the time you're 40. And uh, funnily enough, I think now that people know I'm gay, I probably appear less gay than I did at 22. Because, I mean, you look at the videos and I'm sorry, who needed to be told? You, <laughs> you know? didn't need a sign, did you? <laughs> Just, you know. Well, I've been open in the songs that I've written since I've been out, but they've still basically been about relationships, and only some of these lyrics on this new album are about relationships. There are so many um, things that, uh, you know, there are so many many aspects to, to gay life that I've discovered, and, and so many things to write about. From the bottom of my heart, thank everybody who sent messages, and everybody in that IC unit that made sure that I'm still here today. I really can't say anymore because I'm really... I'm trying to get over the track here to me, so... Thank very, 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 very Merry Christmas to everybody. <laughs> Sorry. Isn't that kind of cool to like hear all of that? I could listen to him talk. He could read the encyclopedia. I'd be like, 
<sighs> I know, right? <laughs> he, you know, at one point, there's this great story. He um, had pneumonia and he went into the hospital. Right. And then he ended up going, um, having to have a tracheotomy and went into a coma. And when he came out of the coma, he had foreign accent syndrome. When he came out of the coma, he was talking like somebody from the, the West. Like the country West? Like, like country West. Wow. And it was the, it's not the craziest story. And he told, and he told the staff there, he's like, you guys saved my life and I will do a concert for you any day to thank you. And he did. He actually did a private concert for the staff at that hospital, um, retrospectively to, to thank them, which was so charitable. He he was very charitable, you know, and you know, here's the thing. I think, you know, he had an open relationship. He, he loved anonymous sex and, and I think that, you know, he, I think he was just very unapologetic and that's what made us go, wow, you, we don't have to feel bad about this. We don't have to feel bad for being, you know, sex positive and we don't have to feel bad about owning our shit and saying, yeah, you know, we have an open relationship and yeah, I was cruising for some dick and second thought I would have done it at the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> As opposed to just like trying to cover, 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 cover it, you know, cover it all up. Um, yeah. So there's so much, you know, there's so much, there's so much about, you know, his life that obviously we can't get in one hour, but there's, um, I'm going to give you a little trivia question okay? because this is a fun one okay. and I'm dying to see what you think. So remember the iconic Britney Madonna kiss at the MTV VMAs Yeah, in 2003, right? So mm-hmm. George Michael wanted to recreate the scene with somebody. And so I'd like during, uh, during the same like MTV like that si- sort of performance type thing. I, I, I don't I, no no he wanted to recreate it meaning he, at another at another time and place. Okay. So we saw that happen and then he wanted to recreate it meaning like let's do this on this show or let's do this somewhere right. Um, it's kind of like an homage to what had happened. Um, and uh, and so I'm curious. Um, to, so he did reach out to this person, by the way, and or his camp or whatever, and um, they never returned his call. Huh. So guess who it is that he wanted to um, recreate the Madonna Britney kiss with? Well, my my immediate guess would have been like Elton John, maybe or Boy George. Okay, no, because they would have returned his call, right? Oh, so it was maybe someone who wouldn't miss. Hmm. Are you ready? You've stumped me. Who Are is you it? ready? <laughs> Justin Timberlake. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Could you, you imagine? I, I mean, like that would have been kind of funny because he was her ex. So it would have been like. I feel like he would have been down with it though, but I'm sure his PR people were just like, eh, yeah, right, not right, now. right, right, right. Well, um, I were at the end of our show. Wow, that time flew by so fast. Time always flies. We used to have to do this in 30 minutes. Oh, it just um, did it like it was like it was like diary of the mouth. Like. Well, and given the subject, I mean, obviously George Michael had an epic life, so. right? And you know, so many of the people that we've talked about, we've talked about Barbara Streisand and David Bowie. I mean, these aren't people that you're just like in one hour. Let me just give you their whole life. But I think we try to do the best job that we can. And obviously, it comes from you know my perspective because I'm picking out you know what we're talking about. But um, that's why we you know we welcome if you have anything to add to the story, or you want to reach out to us, or talk to us, or give us an idea, or you got something to say, you know, you can always reach us through our website at 
at reallyqueenradio.com. We have a form there that you can fill out to email us. Um, the podcasts are available the following day on Fridays. Um, we'll leave you with um, in the early hours of December 25th, Christmas Day in 2016. Uh, two years ago, um, George Michael died in his bed in his home um, at age 53. And his um, current partner was the one that found him. And they say that it was um, natural causes. So um, it was definitely a tragic loss at such a young age. You know, I mean, wow. I used to think 53 years old. That's a baby now. (laughs) Um, I'm going to leave us with this one. Uh, this one track and I want to say first of all thank you Frank so much thank you. for joining me today it's been so this fun been really really cool thank yeah I so really much. appreciate it. I want to thank all of our listeners for listening thank you so much please subscribe to our podcast via any podcast uh, platform that you use um, Spotify um, Apple um, Stitcher all of those um, we're also at um, Instagram at really queen radio you have our website really queen um, this next song definitely for me was one when it was just like yep he's singing for the gays this is the gays and it's when he teamed up and sampled a track by the gay group the ones and um you know it just doesn't get more fabulous and gay this than this all right we will um absolutely see you guys next week bye thank you (laughs) be flawless really queen really queen